You are listening to Reach MD XM 233, the channel for medical professionals. Tonight's segment is headaches and their treatments. Welcome to the Clinician Roundtable. I am Dr. Stephen Marquardt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Merle Diamond. Dr. Diamond is boarded in internal medicine and emergency medicine. She's associated with the Diamond Headache Clinic and is a clinical instructor at Northwestern University, as well as being on staff at St. Joseph's Hospital and Evanston Hospital. She is an editor of Headache Quarterly, Current Treatments and Research, and Headache. Thank you for coming tonight, Dr. Diamond. I'd like to ask you about the various treatments for the headaches, and it's probably mostly migraines, I guess, that we're talking about treating. We mostly see migraines or chronic migraine, which is having more than 15 days of headache a month. So, yeah, we see that very, very commonly. What are the various treatments available, and, and what is the prognosis? You know, the prognosis today is so much better than it used to be. And, of course, there's a subpopulation of patients who have migraine virtually daily that have a much more difficult time getting effective therapy. But for people who have, you know, a couple migraine attacks a month who don't have so many attacks, there are so many great treatments available. But I always like to start out this conversation with, before we talk about drugs, let's talk about life. One of the things that I think is extremely important for patients is to have a regular sleep schedule, a regular eating schedule, not skipping meals. And there are certainly certain trigger foods for migraine for some patients. So excesses, and I want to underline caffeine. Caffeine is probably an independent risk factor for increasing the frequency of headache. And patients always sort of nod at me blankly when I talk to them about caffeine but I have seen patients get better simply by getting rid of caffeine. So these are people who didn't realize that the caffeine was actually triggering or making their condition worse. Absolutely, absolutely. So caffeine, but there are other trigger foods, aged cheeses, nitrates, obviously being aware of those things. Certain beverages now have niacin added to them. So look at those power drinks that you drink and make sure there aren't migraine triggers in them. Very interestingly, you can see that happen sometimes. Well, what about chocolate? Some women who get it get migraines either swear by chocolate relieving it or they swear that chocolate causes it. And, you know, there's some controversial research about chocolate and whether or not it truly is a migraine trigger. I think certainly for some people it is. Um, and for other people, it doesn't really bother them. So when you look at that migraine diet, recognize that not every food on that diet it will be a problem for you. But if you keep a headache diary, you're going to kind of figure out which are the foods that might be a problem for you. Most importantly is not skipping meals, sleeping regularly, eating regularly. Why is skipping a meal so, so important not to do? Well, for migraine patients, because they have a more sensitive nervous system, Things that provoke change seems to provoke migraine attacks. So if you skip a meal and you, you know, relatively have some sugar shifts, you know, some high, relative hypoglycemia, um, get off schedule. For many of my patients, it's just like clockwork. They know that day if they skip lunch or they skip dinner or they're off track for their meals, they'll get more migraine. So it's, it's the regularity of the system that really seems to help migraine patients to stay on track. And I really try to impress on patients before I hand them a medication that those are things that can help them. How about stress? I think what's most important with stress is understanding that you can't control all stress, 
that both good stress and bad stress can trigger more headaches, and that recognizing a time that puts you at risk. So let's say every time you go to your mother-in-law's house, there's always some kind of family argument and you get upset about it. And you can't obviously avoid your family forever. So one of the things we always tell people to do is make sure you eat regularly those days. Make sure you do something for you that day. Relax, blow off steam. And make sure you have your migraine medication there and excuse yourself if you need some time for yourself, you know, if things get too heated. Being a good advocate is really, really important. You know, if you did recommend medications, what are the medications that are currently available? Well, and and don't get me wrong, I do give medications. I don't say, come on, get your life together and then let me know how you're doing. We certainly prescribe medicines for migraine, but I always want to address the fact, you know, that there are ways for you to control your migraine frequency. When we think about migraine medications, we divide them into really two categories. Preventative medicines, so medications we'll give to prevent the attacks um, if you have many of them. And then acute medications or medications you take when you know you're getting a migraine. For many of our patients, they don't need to be on prevention, and they can simply take a drug when they know a migraine attack is coming if they don't have frequent attacks and if the medication works effectively. And the drugs we use most commonly in that family are the triptans. First one was Imitrex, which came out about 14 years ago now, but there are seven triptans out on the market these days, um, and they come in pills and shots and sprays and tablets that melt in your mouth, and there's a tablet that melts really fast in your stomach. And so the good news for patients is there's lots of different options with this particular type of drug. And the neat thing about these drugs is that they reverse the process of the migraine and can get you to pain-free when you have an attack. Which represents quite a, um, I don't know, a breakthrough in the treatment, because I remember that, that migraine sufferers, once the migraine began, there was a lot of times very little they could do to break it. Right, we just kind of give you something to sleep it off. You are listening to Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Stephen Marquardt, and I'm speaking with Dr. Merle Diamond, and we are discussing headaches and the treatments available. Dr. Diamond, we were talking a little bit about the various medications. We had just talked about the triptans. Are there some other medications uh, that can be used either to prevent or to treat Well, the other acute medicines we use are a drug called DHE45, dihydroergotamine, comes in a nasal spray or a shot. And then sometimes we'll use the analgesics. You know, there are some patients, like a pregnant patient, or there are sometimes patients who medically are not appropriate for either of those two classes of drugs where we'll use, you know, either an anti-inflammatory drug or even an opioid if, you know, it's appropriate for them, you know, depending on what you know, their medical indication is. I think when you think about prevention in migraine, there are many different classes of drugs we choose from. There are currently four drugs that are approved for prevention of migraine, that is to reduce the number of attacks. Those are Indorol or Propranolol, Timolol. So so those are the drugs that are approved, um, but that would be a pretty short list. And I would have to tell you that Uh, We use tricyclic antidepressants, and they can work extremely effectively for migraine. So drugs like amitriptyline or nortriptyline or Elevil and Pamilar. The other drugs that we use are sometimes the calcium channel blockers, particularly verapamil, and sometimes we'll also use some central muscle relaxers. So there's a drug called tizanidine. 
that's an older drug, Xanaflex, which can work in chronic headache as well. So there's a lot of other medications that we use to help prevent migraine. What about biofeedback? What about some of the alternative things like acupuncture? I would tell you that of the alternative therapies, probably the best alternative therapy is biofeedback. And everybody goes, what's that? And that's where we really teach patients with a computer-generated measurement how to control posture and breathing and relaxation and hand temperature. And this has been shown actually to work in some studies as well as a preventative drug. And certainly in some patients with frequent migraine, when you put it with prevention, it will augment the preventative outcome. So people who do both may decrease their migraine frequency by up to 70%. So we always love to put that on board. And of course, insurance companies are never thrilled to pay for it, but it's a very good therapy and it works particularly well in children and people open to alternative therapies. Acupuncture can work. It needs to be in the right hands. You know, obviously seeing somebody who does it for headache pain is a good idea and somebody who comes with um, good credentials. And massage and physical therapy can also be helpful for patients. But again, biofeedback of those alternative therapies is probably the best. Does, is there any role for psychological counseling? I think in some patients, absolutely. And I think those patients sometimes know who they are. I think the hard thing for migraine patients is that for years they've been told it's all in your head or if you were less stressed or neurotic, you might not have headaches. I think that for many patients, stress management counseling can be an extremely effective tool, particularly if you have, you know, some migraineurs have comorbid depression and anxiety. And I think in those situations, of course, it's an effective tool. What you don't want to do is write off the headache and say, well, you'll be better if you just manage that because they still have migraine. And so they need treatment for their headache as well. When should a primary care physician think about referring a migraineur to somebody like yourself? Well, I think many primary care physicians do a great job with their migraine patients. Um, but if you feel like you've used what you feel comfortable using in prevention and acute therapy, if the patient presents with many comorbidities and, and there's a lot to put together and you don't have the time to do it, you know, you have a limited amount of time to spend uh, with your patients, then sometimes those patients are good people to send on to somebody who likes to, to do headache and, you know, in these more complicated patients with chronic Headache. Do you see any anything on the horizon that offers promise? There's a class of drug called calcitonin gene-related peptide inhibitors, CGRP inhibitors, that look to be very promising in acute therapy. And these drugs might be very exciting because, as opposed to triptans, they might not have some of those cardiovascular issues associated with them. How do they work? Well, CGRP is a central neuropeptide that causes inflammation. So what we're actually doing is getting into the brain and turning that process off, which is very interesting and looks extremely promising in, in migraine patients. There are studies going on with nitric oxide inhibitors, um, again, working on that central inflammatory process that occurs in migraine, and obviously finding better prevention for those patients who have frequent migraines is very important. So... There are studies ongoing with 
occipital nerve stimulators. And, you know, while we don't have a lot of the data there to tell us for sure whether they work or not, it's certainly raising the bar in awareness about chronic migraine and getting us to think about those more disabled patients. Now, the occipital nerve stimulation, it works like a spinal cord stimulator, kind of on the same principle. Exactly. And, you know, again, you know, early studies are coming out, and we don't have enough data to say, you know, whether it's a go or a no-go, but it's certainly for some patients, particularly with cervicogenic issues, uh, may be of some benefit to them. And I want to thank Dr. Diamond, who has been our guest, and we have been discussing headaches and the treatments of those migraine headaches. I am Dr. Stephen Marquardt, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable and ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.